make noise, 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 make noise. What's happening, Punch? What's going on, bro? How you feeling, sir? What's up? What's up? I'm good. People, if you're just tuning in, this is DJ Punch, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. He is very tapped into music in, in New York City. He is well known for being one of the architects of Takashi 69's career, as well as kind of somebody who took that and, and, and blew it up and, and took it to another level. So he also is very tapped into something that is going on in New York right now, a movement called the drill movement, the drill music. And if you don't know yeah. who those people are in, those, in that movement, I'll give you a couple of names that you might know. Pop Smoke, Fabio, yeah. Uh, yeah. Swipey, who, who else is in that movement? I mean, we got Chef G, we got Sleepy Hollow, we got Smooth L. You know, all of those guys got major record deals right now. I mean, there's so much more. There's so much, so much more. But those are the main, main guys. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to start from the beginning. Yeah. Um, how did you get involved in this business in general? I mean, when it comes down to music, I, you know, I, I was more like trying to be the artist front runner. You know, like rap was it. I was trying to get my bars off. Um, I still rap better than most people, but rap, the, the, the purpose of rap has changed. You get what I mean? Like what people want to hear to what I grew up on is just drastically different. You get what I'm saying? So um, I came up caring about bars and then trying to battle to get the wave and do the whole shit. That's why a lot of my peers, you'll see like a lot of the battle rappers, a lot of the URL guys under the comments and shit like that, because they know I come from that cloth. You get what I'm saying? And it, it, it represents drastically different. And then um, I have ripped my vocal cords. Um, I was not able to talk. I had some situations. I was doing, um, I had setups with, uh, with Warner Brothers. I had setups with Interscope. And I mean, I had decent little situations, but I had ripped my vocal cords and it made it very difficult for me to record. So while I was in the healing process, not really talking, because I couldn't speak, I taught myself how to DJ. You get what I'm saying? And in that process of teaching myself how to DJ, I got this immense, stupid level of OCD that no one could ima imagine, like at all. I started collecting music just going crazy, just storing so much. And I just really got a real fond love of how Serato operated. I taught myself how to play. And um, I just basically came into the DJ world. Now, a lot of my friends really weren't supporting me being a DJ, like, yo, punch you rap, how you DJing now? And I'm like, I didn't like try to quit one and do another. I just, I want to try to do this at the same time. It really wasn't as functional. But I started to become part of this wave of DJs that was that the old like the typical OGs didn't really like. They called me like a laptop DJ because I learned like that. I didn't learn on turntables. I didn't learn on vinyl. And that's the real reason why I never really acquired the name DJ. I always felt like I needed to get to a level to where that I could call myself a DJ in front of it. Like I'm punched at DJs, but I've never called myself DJ Punch. You get what I'm saying? And I've been able to travel the world from it and do amazing shit and do cooler shit than people who I respect on their DJ, DJ turntablism skills. You get what I'm saying? And I've been able to take this way further than them, but it's not about accomplishments for me. It was more of a purist aspect and a respect for the pure form of what DJing really truly is. Um, started doing that. I was in the club. and Vodka came, snatched me up, brought me to 50. 50 loved me. 50 was like, yo, you're amazing. You know so much about fucking rap. You talk so well. You ever thought about doing an interview? I said, no, never in my life. Shout out to all my people that was over there, Heineken, Dutch, Jeremy Bettis, everybody up there at uh, Renee, Mario, the whole G-Unit staff was up there. And they basically was like, yo, Punch, 
what are we doing? And they brought me up on the media side. I started doing interviews and I did 4.1 million views in my first 90 days. And then Fifth hired me and then I became like one of the main personalities up there. This is 50. And then in my run at This is 50 in about two years, I did 26 million views on YouTube and I became the creative director up there. And then I became the media personality while still DJing. So rap kind of took the back seat while the interview shit blew up and the DJ shit was going good. Uh, I was just trying to stamp everybody I could. You know, I was very, very early on the Bobby Schmerner and Rowdy Rebel. I was trying my best to help my guys out. They caught that deal very early in my, my leveraged position that I was in. I couldn't really do too much for them, but I was with them early. I did a lot for designer. I helped that shit go. And then I, I, I put my elbow grease on everything Young M.A. I was with her from the start, writing records, working on the show in the crib. In my crib out in Canarsie and just doing what we did. We linked up and M.A. just being a super talent that we did. We took what we created in the crib and took that shit on the road. And then it went from being a record that we wrote in Brooklyn and just being like the number 14 record on Billboard and ta-da. And then that just kind of changed the scale of everything at that point. At that point there, it was like I was gone. I was solidified. I blew somebody up now. And then that's when it really started to change. And then my presence on the internet, you know, it's just a bunch of shit, you know. <laughs> with, with a couple of different questions. Number one. Sure. Because I, I want to know, I'm, I'm interested. Sure. How do you tear your vocal cords? How do you well, to be them? honest, you got to just look at it like this, right? And you should be cautious with it. But everybody's different. Everybody's body is different. But I tell people like this. If you had a dumbbell in your hand and I said curl, right? There's going to be a point where you go eye punch. How many of these you need me to do, right? With me, I have a more sensitive vocal cord than most people. So when I'm yelling night in and night out, what happens is, is that the muscles in my, in my, on, my, on my vocal cords are basically telling me relax. So when you get a sore throat or you lose your voice, that's your body saying, chill the fuck out. Mm -hmm. I would lose my voice night in, night out, night in, night out, stay out all night, not rest, drink soda, drink cold shit, go get shit, just really not taking care of it. And then one day I thought I lost my voice and it just did not come back. Okay. Because for me, I, I, do a, I do the same thing, but I do, a, I do the opposite. Um, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't hang out. When I do the show, I go back in the room. Um, I don't eat a lot of crazy stuff anymore. I drink a lot of water. I drink more than a gallon of water a day, and I Amazing. sleep. Whenever yeah. I'm not talking, whenever I'm not yelling professionally when I'm on the road, I don't talk, yeah. and I sleep. Um, yeah. So explain what you do. But that's a veteran position. You get me? Yeah, you got to talk about, like, I was doing this hot out the stove. Like, I was like, oh, this is the way to do it. So, I right. mean, now you, now you couldn't catch me without a day going by without me drinking tea. You know, I just take drastically better care of my vocal cords now. Um, but yeah, were, were you taking it though? So how did you, because everybody knows now what you've done. You, you did the designer. You were big instrumental in Young M.A., uh, yeah. Riley Rebel and Bobby Schmurder. How did mm -hmm. you wind up meeting and dealing with Takashi 69? Um, I mean, it, it just became where it's like this, man. Um, when you become who I became, you know, to our city and to our culture specifically, there was a large gap, you know, and I've spoke about this a lot. I've had some some intriguing uh, back and forth with some of the biggest legends in our culture has to offer. And, you know, like I've been very critical of, of Funk Flex, let's say, right? And the reason why I say Funk Flex is because we're looking at the epitome of what's at the top of our culture. We're looking at who's the number one guy. And what we did on the ground level is that we would want to ask the number one guy how is this happening and that's not happening? Because you don't want to act the number two or three or four. You're like, hey, number one, why is it that this artist can come and not break through? Why is it that not? And then what happens is we weren't getting answers. 
So I took off, I took the position as much as I could, um, especially with being that I had such a loud voice on This Is 50. And I could basically, I could force my narrative through millions and millions of views. So every time I had a new artist there, I can remind the, the narrative that we needed to change things in New York. And what really changed and what needed to happen was someone needed to identify with what's happening on the younger demographic in New York. And that was the problem that wasn't. And our DJs, of course, are active as fuck, but our DJs don't have a lot in their voices. You know, for the people in this chat right now, I ask y'all a question right now, maybe someone can answer me. If I told y'all the top five rappers in the game, and I want y'all to tell me, anybody who knows the DJ, who's Drake's DJ? Who's J. Cole's DJ? Who's Big Sean DJ? Who's Wale DJ? Who's Meek Mill DJ? And this is no disrespect to any of those DJs. This is actually props, that they should get more props. Most people don't have any answers for any of those questions. You get what I'm saying? So point being, and it's not to, to clarify, but the point being is that we don't, we weren't valuing what the DJ itself was giving enough for the culture. So I used my media position to make sure that we can get the narratives out about what was going on on the bottom level. So because I became that loud voice, when an artist that was coming up, because a lot of artists came up to me, when he came up to me and he was like, yo, Punch, I need you to do what you've done for Young and May, what you've done with a fresher or a Casanova, where I was extremely vocal on getting their first interviews, getting them up to This Is 50, harassing 50 Cent to make him see what's happening on ground level. And then basically it got reached out to me from 6ix9ine side, like, yo, hey, this is how we got to do it. How do we get you to do what you did there right here? And then that's how that happened. What was your first impression of, of, of Takashi? What, what, what was your just initial thoughts? What you feel? I just thought it was I just thought it was like this is a lot of shock value at that time. Um, obviously, there was this hype of SoundCloud artists where it's like these guys are doing so much to get attention and they're doing so much to get views because that's when it really changed. It wasn't about if someone liked you or if they didn't, if someone thought you were good or if they thought you were terrible, it was whether or not you could secure someone to look at you. So if you could secure someone to look at you, you've already become a success in their eyes because their goal was to get views. So when I seen him, I was like, this is a kid who's doing everything he can to make sure that more people are looking at him. You get what I'm saying? That's about the best thing I saw initially. Now, you were on the road with him for how long? A year, maybe a year and a half? What the entire run. The okay. entire run of what it was. About what? from the start of everything from the gummo on to the last day of the arrest. What were some of the most incredible experiences that you had on the road while you were actually with him? Uh, I just think that, you know, just being able to just really understand that these are some Brooklyn guys that really made it to across Europe. You know, like, I got to just be honest, like, being in Europe and seeing these massive stages, we weren't really doing little putt-putt, little pussy stages. Like, we were on, you know, niggas were doing 20,000, 30,000 seats. I'm going out there. And then what happens is that I've already toured. I did the country with MA. So I was more seasoned at it. And then it, it would reflect, but he'd be like, yo, bro, just rock. So I would get 30-minute sets, I'd get our sets, which is rare, as you know, for DJs to get that kind of magnitude of shit, where, it's, where especially he was on the uprise. You know, I mean, I know that he's the hottest, trendiest moment, but he was on the uprise at that point. So to get those long, amazing sets in Ibiza's, in, in, in Rome, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, it's like a fucking blur. Italy, Fashion Week, fucking France, Russia, all of these amazing, like, 
just huge places where you're like, how the fuck it? And they're just singing it. Denmark, Austria, you know, I'm just rambling off. And mm -hmm. they're just knowing our entire culture step by step by step. And no. what I did with that, and, and my fault, that's a super key point because what I've always done on my interviews was I would name drop what's going to happen next. And I would utilize a big platform. If I'm talking to, I don't know, like there's a main point where I'm talking to Swiss Beats, right? In the Swiss Beats interview, in the actual interview, I bring up Fresher and Casanova's name. Mm -hmm. At that point, now this is about, this is like two, three years ago. But that's what I always did. I'm like, all right, cool, we're here. Now we bring up my, my, my other guys. So when I was there on stage with him, I'm making sure that I'm playing Fabio Foreign, video footage, making sure we're playing Bobby and Rowdy to keep that alive, making sure that um, on those sets, playing Chef G. You know, this is stuff that no one else is doing, that I have video footage of doing that. That wasn't right. told, not a bag or not nothing, but that's what I liked, That's what I wanted to do with a lot of my leverage. Okay, so now you're there. You're seeing everything yeah. that's happening. The Gummo video. Yeah. Now you got the, because you're obviously tapped in with Brooklyn, you're tapped in with the streets or whatever. You see yeah. this guy and he's doing this. Now I'm going to tell you, when I saw the video, Mm -hmm. I said, I didn't say that he was wild, but I knew the dudes behind him were legitimate, right? A1. A1. Huh? A1. 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 So, okay. So I'm saying to myself, I don't know about this dude, but mm -hmm. I see faces and I see looks and vibrations. These dudes ain't nothing to play with. Thanks. At that point, did you tell him, I don't know if you're really cut out for this for this kind of thing. Nobody, you or nobody came to him and said, yo, bro, this is not really you. Um, see, the, th the thing is like this, right? Everybody has warned everyone, like everyone else, you know, and this is the number one thing that I think is probably the biggest misconception of the entire narrative. They refer to him a lot as a kid and as a boy. Like he gets referred to constantly as that. Like, yo, this kid and this boy and this young guy, he's a grown ass man. So I just got to, let's start, let's remind the narrative starts there. He's mm -hmm. an adult. When, and in the, in the most lightest manner, because, you know, they've been to court and they've admitted certain things. When it was time, like I tell people like this, when it was time to behave as he should have, he did. In the early stages. Not all the time, but in majority. So right. it's like, you can't really tell someone's not, that, 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 until pushed against the wall. You get what I'm saying? So, so there, there were times where fights was going on and he's fighting. There's times where it's action and he's with action. So it's happened. You get what I'm saying? But we were, it was a very force-skilled, like, situation where there were a lot of people around to keep things very protected and to keep things comfortable. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So do you, it's not that difficult to behave a certain manner when you got 20 people with you. But, you know, that's just the reality. <laughs> the, do you the, think, the little kids are going crazy in the comments. <laughs> yes. Do you, think that, do you think that without that video and without yeah. the quote-unquote gang, um, yeah. the gang visual, do yeah. you think that he ever gets to the point that he's at now? Impossible. Why? It's impossible. The support system that was created by the gang, the support system. You got to remember, this is the reason why this was so massive. And it was the most massive uh, thing that we've seen since uh, 
it's hard to tell since what, but it's been, you know, it's very unmatched is because in the early stages, he was so welcoming to help. Mm -hmm. So what I was able to do with him on a digital aspect, what the gang was able to do with him on the street, what we was able to do to put him around the locs, to put him around the butt, to keep it comfortable, what he was able to do when he maximized the Spanish support. It was so many things simultaneously that made this enigma so huge. You get what I'm saying? Him mm -hmm. having the tats, the hair, uh, hyper exposing the nationality. You get what I mean? Like we're talking about, you know, you sometimes go, luck, man, they got this artist, man, he's hilarious. And that'll be like his catch. If we mm -hmm. now put someone with, with six or seven different catch hooks, then you get something like that. So without one of them, I think the gang support and just, it's not just the gang, it's the street support. I think the street support would be probably the most important part of it because I wouldn't have been able to do what I would have been able to do on the internet and getting press behind it, helping it get on the radio in the early stages. You get what I'm saying? If they didn't have it solidified on the street level prior. Now, the thing is that, you know, and, and I, I understand partially what you're saying that it was a street thing, but it feels like Takashi's fans are not even street people. You know, yeah, because get, you got to remember, like, you gotta, million, yeah. to get two or three million people on an Instagram live, that's not street people. Well, that's, that, you're talking about now. You're, you're, we can't, we can't, we can't neglect a lot. I mean, we can't, we can't, we can't neglect that. But to to tap on the point of what it is is that just because you have the streets backing you, because the streets were rocking with him. You get what I'm saying? The streets were rocking with him because of the cosigns. The streets were rocking with him because of non-trade. The streets were rocking with him because of the of the local support. The streets were rocking with him because of all of these major supports and putting fifty around him and all of these major figures saying he's cool, he's with us. You get me? Literally. The convo that I've had with 50 prior to that, and 50 being like, look, don't worry, just run the interview, I'll pop in in the middle of it, I'll tell niggas, leave him alone. And 50 walks into the interview and goes, yo, leave the little nigga alone, he's with me. Like, that's legitimately what 50 Cent said in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the initial moment when he met him. That's the first moment 50 meets him. You get what I mean? That's me harassing 50 for three, four months. Like, yo, bro, come on, meet the kid, meet the kid, meet the kid, meet the kid. Then he goes. So the reality at hand is, is that people just got to remember that things build up to something. We just gotta, and, and that's the problem with everyone. And a lot of people that try to discredit some of the guys that spoke out against it, some of the guys who, there are people that try to discredit me. There've been tribes that try to discredit some of the gang. I see Seiko Billy and Auto Billy, they just did a no jumper interview. I see people try to go at Crippy, they try to go at Shoddy. Whatever everybody tries to do, they're trying to neglect and then they're using this mega star now versus what it is and try to go, how could that little person help this person? And they're looking at it wrong. Because that person helped that person. Y'all forget that that person existed because y'all keep looking at this guy who can do two million on live now. Mm -hmm. Y'all are looking at the wrong part. They didn't, they, they, they're not helping him presently. They helped him get there. You get what I'm saying? There's a guy in Akron, Ohio that used to let LeBron in the gym when he was 11. Did that nigga make LeBron? No, but he helped the process. Like it was an essential domino in the domino effect of LeBron becoming LeBron. You get what I'm saying? Someone was there to let him in the gym at 12, 13 years old. You get what I'm saying? Like, so the point being is that these are essential people in someone's growth. And when people try to take away the value of people along your route, it's just fucked up. Because there were a lot of people who made sure that that became that. And that doesn't right. just be about him. That goes with every single rapper and talent that y'all ever met. You get what I'm saying? Everyone. I would like, and, and people just try to, 
They go at they go at what they feel like is gonna make their star win. And and the reason why I don't get mad at my phone, I'm gonna let you go again, but I have so many thoughts. A fan, a fan is a disillusioned amount of love that you have for someone. You are so impressed that you will become disillusioned. The real life fan literally can't imagine their person that they love for doing this wrong thing. They can't. That's why people be fan, like people who are like obsessed with murderers. They can't imagine that that person could do something wrong. People who are fan, R. Kelly raped women and people who love him go, come on, man. That's R. Kelly. They just, they want to ignore it. So now when we go to this scenario, drastically different, but the same amount of obsession, they're looking at someone that they can't see the wrong in. And I don't get mad at the fans, but we're finally responding to it right because the elites and the rappers are not, they're not supporting it. No one's going with it. You get what I mean? He had 2 million people in a live and that's all salute and dope, but not one, not one person of the culture was in there supporting it. Not one. Not one rapper wanted to go against the grain and say, I fuck with it. Not one. So that's the now, whole point of the whole thing, yeah. Now, some, now I have friends and people that I work with, uh, uh, notably, I am KVJ, he's my editor, he's in here. He, he seems to feel that the industry is going to support him. They are going to put their arm around him. There are mm-hmm. people that are going to do remixes. They are What's the industry? Do- What's, you talking about the culture? Because the industry and the culture is two different things. Now, two different things. Nah, because I look at it different. The culture is Meek Mill. The culture is Snoop Dogg. The culture is Lil Baby. The culture is Migos. The culture is Cardi B. This is the culture. You get what I'm saying? And then, of course, the OGs. That's the culture. The industry is different. The industry is Atlantic Records, Universal Records, Sony Records. You get what I'm saying? That's Billboard. That's that's SoundScan. That's 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 that. That's the industry. So will the industry support them? 100%. Because the industry isn't defined by a face. The industry are people that stand behind brands. So the industry will support him. They have no problem. The culture will never touch it. Okay, so so let, let, let's, let, let's stop. Because you're right. There is Now that you defined it in that way, the industry and the culture are different. He seems to feel, my friends seem to feel that the culture eventually will support him. And no. this, is what make, this is what makes me think that. Because our culture, and we can be honest with this, whether we like it or not, they are not driven by um, by uh, morals and uh, taking a stand. Our culture, a lot mm-hmm. of these people are driven by the heat, the numbers, standing next to a certain person, uh, rocking with this hot artist enough so you can stay alive, so you can keep your little thing moving. And I am trying to figure out Will there be a breaking point because the, of the amount of views, the amount of sales, the amount of whatever this guy does that the culture will say, mm-hmm. oh, fuck it, man, I got to work. No, nah, we'll never. We'll never. There's too many. Let me tell you why it won't. There's too many of our power players that are, that are reminding people the routes to take. Shout out to Snoop Dogg. Shout out to Meek Mill. Um, shout out to Lil Boosie. Shout out to the guys who are heavy, heavy, heavy voices in our culture and making sure that their voice is heard about what to do. Charlemagne, Ebro, these are other people, and there's a million more. So nobody get discredited if I didn't, you get what I mean? But that are basically saying, hey guys, this is what we're gonna do. We're not gonna do that. So not only are you breaking culture, you're breaking direct big homie orders, it's not gonna work. There's not gonna be enough latitude support either, and there's definitely not gonna be any support above you. 
So I I, I, know, I, I bet cash. I was I was criticized by friends, people on this live, a bunch of different entities because I felt like even if Takashi came to me, I wouldn't interview him. And they're like, ah, oh, why wouldn't you interview him? And I said, if I interviewed him, it would have to be with the understanding that you have to apologize for, to everyone about everything that you did, why you did it, how you did it, because you're fooling kids. See, you you ran with a gang, you put hits on people, you did all that kind of stuff, and then you walk away with less than a year. If the average kid in Brooklyn and Canarsie, and the average kid in Harlem, the average kid in the Bronx or Gun Hill Road does all that shit, gang, gang, they turn around, they're not getting one year, they're getting... They're getting football numbers thrown at them, area codes mm -hmm. thrown at them. And I think that it gives the wrong message that you can do all this shit and because you the man, it's okay. But it's not gonna happen like that for the average man. No, and I think I think that's evident. So I don't I, I mean, straight up and down, I don't, you know, like like I said, I, I don't believe the coach is gonna stand by it. I think it's quite evident. You get what I mean? Um, it's evident. You know, if you are a part of the culture, you're not fucking with it. You're not you're not fucking with it because you just know that 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 man's that man's support is not valuable to lose you're basically you're basically at that point just throwing away everything for one look and it'll never happen you get what i okay. mean I don't, I don't see it happening i have another question for you sure all right so 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 you feel there's going to be a pushback of course we see meat mill snoop all those guys are 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 <laughs> going against him Heineken, what's up? you know him you, you are around him you know him what do you yeah. think drives him? Do you think that it's the acceptance of the two, four, seven, a hundred million fans, or is it that acceptance from the from the culture, from 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 the rappers, from the people who really are the cool kids that he's really looking for? I, I I'll give this, and after this, I, I we go and spin off of him. But I'll say this: knowing him and just watching his behavior, he's a hundred percent looking for. Um, a co-sign from the culture. Um, he had two million people in his life. I'm a, this is very clear. He had two million people in his life. They're already there. They love him. They're there. So he had no real reason to defend himself anymore. There was none. They already are there. They're championing him. They spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on marketing through the whole time of him being in jail, making sure that we continue to see him on headlines, making sure, oh, he's sick. Oh, he wants to come out. Oh, he doesn't like this. Or he's not going to do this. Or he has a new record deal. We saw so much news that we did not hear him speak from the second that he went to jail until he just went on live. But we've seen him on headlines 65 times. So point being, before the case, you know what I mean? Universal, Elliot, all of them, they did a fantastic, like, from a business perspective, they did probably the most amazing media run we've ever seen, ever created, literally. You get what I mean? To make sure that the narrative was changed for someone that everyone disliked, one, and should have looked at as, as, as like a bad, a bad thing and a harmful thing. They were able to change the narrative. Cool. With everyone that's there, he still is trying to make his claim. And the reason why he's trying to make his claim is because he wants acceptance from the people that have not accepted him. Everyone okay, else has I, accepted him. I got to ask you, but I, I, we're going to spin away from this because I want to talk about Bobby Schmurda. But I do have to ask the questions that I, I know people want to know. Like, you're there. You're right yeah. there with him. Mm -hmm. you, nobody ever said to him, yo, bro, what you doing right now is too, it's too much, man. Like, fall nah, back. 
it doesn't it doesn't work like that. If anybody's ever really been around a rapper, if anybody's really, and I want, if you've never been around a rapper, I don't want you to comment. But if you've been around a rapper, especially a young one, they don't listen to anyone that does not have as much money as they do. That's it. That's it's it's a very cold, it's a very fucked up reality. And 99% of rappers on their first run, and I want to specify this, on their first run, they do not respect anyone that does not have more money than them. That is it. You, they are you know that, that's why and that's I, why you see rappers as they get later in their like when this do you see uh give me a, do you see two chains counting money? You see Young Jeezy counting money. You see Rick Ross counting money. You see none of them. And this is no knocks to my younger rappers. But the second you get a deal, every single rapper starts doing this. They're talking to the money phone to convince people, hey, I have money now. Look at me. I have money. When we know that our big homies have drastic... When is Jay-Z ever talked to the money phone? Probably in 1996. You get what I'm saying? So point being is that... But fair, you get what I'm saying. But point point being is that that's what they do. So the younger kids, let me not say kids because we have a bad habit of this. The younger men and women that first acquire a large amount of money, the first thing they want to do is show people I have money. They become obsessed by the money. And that's why they usually lose most of their close friends on their first run because they don't deal with their friends the proper way. This is what happens all the time, which is why most rappers, when they get on, they're not welcome back in their hood until years later. Because they usually burn the bridge really, really fast by getting excited that they have so much money right now. Okay? So I've been around many rappers, many, many rappers at their core level. So I need y'all to understand that I've seen this more times than, than my legend friends. Because they usually get one, they build up, and they stay up there. But because I'm in the the NBA draft wave, where I'm always helping cultivate, I see it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Like, you got to remember, I was with Pop on 92nd and Seaview, chilling with him, three weeks before Welcome to the Party goes. It comes out, I watch my friend go, I watch nobody support him, then I watch the hood stand by him, then I watch the big homies come, then I watch the record go, then I watch the mix hit come. I've seen it. I've then seen it happen with Fabio. I'm with Fabio out here in LA. We chilling. We, I'm with him in October. I'm telling him this is about to go. I post him up on my page before he becomes cool. Fabio had like 13,000 followers. I'm with him. I'm talking to him. Everything goes. Big Drip picks up 30 days later. He becomes the biggest thing in the world. And then the same thing happens. Everyone supports. And I'm never, ever mad at the support when it comes. But what happens is, is that my friends that are not used to the scale of what's happening happens it's like they have to rebalance their life. These are niggas that were on gang time that are local. You get what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden goes, here's a million dollars. Go figure it out. Go figure out what friends you need to have around. Go figure out what girls you need to fuck, which ones you don't. And then now go figure it out. And you got fucking 30 days and the whole world's going to look at you while you're doing it. You get what I'm saying? So everyone, they, they, they judge and they go hard on rappers and it burns me because I've helped mad rappers and then rappers go on and they do press and they do this. Like I, I wasn't the phone call they made every single day. So it burns me too. But I understand what's happening. So in the exact response that you're looking for, of course I've told him and of course I've told a hundred rappers. 
I've told a hundred rappers, man, I don't even want to say it out loud, but just know, man, if some some rappers would have listened to me, they would have saved hundreds of thousands. Some rappers would have saved getting hurt. Some rappers could have saved their lives if they would have listened. This is a reality. This is a reality because I've never, I've never, me and Scoop, when we first spoke, we spoke for almost three hours in my front. Yeah, well, I'm a on our so first convo. You get what I'm saying? We spoke. But we spoke for hours. We spoke, we spoke for three hours, and I'm gonna I'm gonna preface that. I'm a since we No, no, we're gonna get we're gonna go back there, but I just wanna I, I wanna I'm gonna let you rock that, but I'm gonna say this. My whole point is once those those communications and that connection comes with me. I'm gonna give niggas honest, I'm gonna give them what I give them. So the reality at hand is that my peers, my friends, I've watched my friends go from broke to millionaires. I, you gotta remember, I look at certain people and I look at Takashi, y'all niggas keep seeing this nigga, he got 45 chains on, you got seen this nigga dead broke. You get what I'm saying, like dead broke, and that's not a diss. So before anybody tries to spin this like a diss, it's still, I still look at it and go, this is crazy. I really know this kid. And they used to be in my crib with, with regular sweats on and a white beater. She's rich. So I see the success and I'm happy for it. But not everyone can healthily, I don't even know if that's a word, but you get what I'm saying? Healthily <laughs> um, process the change without losing friends, without losing character, without losing morals. You get what I'm okay. saying? So along the way, that's what goes on. My fault. I'm I, know gonna, I, I get I'm into gonna, it. I'm going to step in and I'm going to give you guys a little bit of, of context to this. Fat Man Scoop came out. I was a I was a radio personality. I was just a you know I was I was already big. Fat Man Scoop came out and made records. Okay, so now these records are hitting in the streets because I happen to be a radio promoter, so I knew all of the big DJs across the country. All right, so this record's moving. So now, even though I'm I was a record executive and a radio DJ, I still fell into the young artist trap. And here's what the young artist trap is. You take all of the dudes from your hood that either were the criminals or held you down, and you say, yo, man, you're going to be good now. Come rock with me and stay out of the streets or come and hold me down as my security. Fat Man Scoop is making songs called Put Your Hands Up, but every night he's fighting. I'm coming home with my shirt bloody. I'm coming home with my lip busted because I'm fighting every night because I bring 40 dudes with me to the club. That's on different time than you are. <laughs> yeah, it was a <laughs> night in question that I was in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And the, one of my friends, God bless the dead, he's not here with us anymore, but he was not a fucking game. They tried to whip his, whip his chain off while the Benjamins, while I was DJing playing the Benjamins. We consequently get into a fight with the entire club. So it's like 40 of us against the whole club. We all separate, we get together, they kick the rest of the club out. The club is outside waiting for us. My man says, listen, if I get a chance to go outside, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my tech nine and I'm killing everybody. Right? Mm -hmm. We can't go outside. So we got the security guard. The security guard's like, I'm going to hold you down. And we were all like, well, how, how you going to hold us down? He pulls out 245s. He said, I got you. My man said, we don't know you. He said, I give Scoop the guns. I'm sitting there with 245s. We're, we're waiting like an hour for the crowd to disperse. I said, right then and there, I said, dear Lord, if you get me out of this situation, 
I'm not bringing nobody else with me to the club no more. This is a business. I'm going to handle it in a business way. From that day on, I have maybe one, two people with me. Usually I come with my book, with my, uh, with my, uh, my, my uh, role manager, and that's it. You have to go through this. So I asked him that question, but when he said, if you're a young rapper, you're not going to listen to anybody who doesn't make any more money than you, you're not. You have tuned that out. You think you the fucking man. You're 19 years old with a bag full of money. When I became Fat Man Scoop, I was about 25, 26. So I had a little bit of common sense. Imagine what would happen if I fucking came right from the projects, 19 years old, and niggas gave me yeah. $2 million and said, all right, yeah. I'm working out. I'll probably yeah. be the worst thing on wheels. So I, I, I understand that. Now, now, when you said that, it really made me understand that. I got two yeah. more questions that I want to do because this, this makes me understand everything. There were people who said the police were around Takashi for a long time. Even people saying some, some of those same guys were protecting him. Do you believe that? Did you see any police presence around? Or, or, yeah. or, or that's not the truth? Mm -mm. They, they, you know, everything is salacious with this kid. So it's always, it's always going to be exciting to spin a story and create it. But no, nah, none of that was happening. Okay, nah. so now, so, so now, so now, the feds. Yeah. No, did you guys see the feds there? Did, 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 did how did you even know that this was coming down like that? Did it come down? No one did. No, you got to remember this is, uh, and, and this is. Well, huh, I'll say this, man. When it comes down to the indictment they were in, there's no murder in that indictment. I know most of my street guys that noticed indictments come with murders. <laughs> there was no murders in that entire indictment. So they came down on them for different reasons. Indictments of that level, when they're doing those big, um, when they want the Rico and they want those things to stick, those are created because they can't pinch old mob bosses. You get what I'm saying? They can't catch them. So what they do is that they basically do the Rico and be like, anybody that's involved in this murder, I'm all about, we're going to pitch them. You get me? That's what it was. When they coming down on these guys with the same thing with no murder, it's like it just felt like it was crazy. So everyone looks at it and goes, yo, y'all should have known, but nobody got killed. You get what I'm saying? So the level and the speed that it happened was definitely shocking. Um, but, you know, I mean, everybody makes they, everybody makes the best with what they can. You get what I'm saying? And straight up and down for the people that were that allegedly are there, the people that are there, the ones who are in gang, everybody knows that if you are part of a gang, this is a reality that can happen at any moment. Everybody knows that if you're on gang time, it could be a second day in gang. If the cops sweep through and you got something wrong on you, you could go to jail just like it was your 20th year. So everyone understood that. And I think that that's just the only, it's so simplistic and it's not to go into it over and over and over, but that's just the simplistic point where everybody goes. You know, he tries his best to always spin the topic to about if snitching is tied to loyalty. And for everybody that loves him, I know that they try to blur what this simple law really is and they try to make something about loyalty. You could, you could literally get on a case with all of your enemies, everyone that would like try to kill you. You're not supposed to tell and you hate them. You actually, you actually are supposed to say nothing and hope that you end up in the cell with them so that you could then handle it as a gangster should. 
but people don't understand being gangster because they're not gangster, and I understand it. And that's why I try not to argue with the kids, even the kids that are in this chat. They keep going, whoa, 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 whoa. I get it, y'all don't understand. And what he did, because he's a marketing expert, how do I know this? Because I used to be around him. He used a lot of the shit that I've taught him on how to market, he still uses it. It's about spinning the topic. The, if you literally go and we're speaking on snitching, snitching is one thing. It's snitching yes or no. Do you agree or do you not? He makes the snitching topic and immediately from the first word out of his mouth, he switches the narrative and makes it about loyalty and makes you feel bad for him about doing something. That's not what snitching is about. You get what I'm saying? I see I see Wink Loke in the comments. These are, these are extremely solidified dogs. You get what I'm saying? He will attest. Snitching is not about loyalty. Snitching is about a moral that's in your soul that you either abide by or you don't. Whether it's your enemy or not, if your enemy was on the corner and the cops came and said, and the enemy see the cops and he dumps the gun. That's not your time to now go, this nigga's trying to kill me 10 times. Police, he dumped the gun into the sewer. That's not your time. That's not your time. That's not it. You're supposed to sit right there and go, I don't know what a gun is. I don't even know who son is and go your own way. Because you're a gangster. You're on gang time. That's what this is about. Well, Everybody continues I'm, to rephrase it and reposition it, and that'd be the problem. I'm going to say this. Because I, I did not watch that live. The live was sent to me after it happened. He yes. said what he said about, oh, they fucked my baby mother. They did this. But my thing, my, my, my thought was this. Wink, I see that's you. the case. If you are, if you gang like that, you don't go snitch. You go handle it the way a gang member would handle this. Snitching is not. It's, yo, there's nothing that someone. Let me tell. And so y'all can understand this. Snitching is not something that someone can make you do. That's a decision that you make on yourself. There's nothing that someone in this world can do that should make you want to snitch. You hear the Cameron most famous, and I mean it's ignorant. Trust me, but it's the most famous shit ever. I see this. Cool to be in here. Like you see, like they, I, 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 I just saw that and, fly by. Yes. Yeah, and that's and that's and you know that's the dog. But let's just get this clear, Kuda. I hate when they kill me on this, but let we go. And now we go and we go like this. Cameron said on Bill O'Reilly, I think this is the early two thousands, and they said if a murderer walks into your crib and shoots your mother, what do you say? And Cameron goes, I say nothing. And everybody goes, he's crazy. But Cameron was in the streets and goes, my job now is to find the murderer. It's not to involve the police because Cameron said, I'm in the streets. Mm -hmm. Now, if you say that you're not in the streets, and this is the other part of this whole thing that I need people to understand, the streets is not a cool place to be. If you're in this live right now and you need to learn something today, it is it not to join the gang. It's not, it is the not to play in the streets. No, it's it's not to think that that shit is cool. Everybody says outside, 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 okay? It's not cute outside. It's not fun outside. Don't go outside. Don't do that. Go get a job, go get an education, go do what you want to do. So everybody got to stop acting like that's a force. No one is forced into street life. That's an independent decision that people make, especially when it came from that kid who literally made a decision as an adult to then join something as an adult. He was not in it as a child. Because even them, I feel a little bad for sometimes when they've been on gang time since they 14, 15, Impressive. and they don't know better. Impressive. This kid joined as an adult. So that's just it. 
I don't, I don't want to, you know, there's so much more topics and things that now, I can give the heavy insight on, but just cool. everybody just understand, stay out of the streets. Please don't join gangs. It's not that alluring. I have a million friends that are in jail. They don't like it. It's not fun. I spoke to Shadi yesterday. That man is in jail for 15 years. Y'all keep thinking this is a joke. You get what I'm saying? And that's why he's bad. Because he tells and then laughs. And then y'all keep thinking it's a joke. That's why this shit is bad. But whatever, we take it somewhere else. So, so anyway, this is what I was going to say, because I, I didn't want to cut you off. I wanted you to continue talking. Yeah. You are 100% right. Civilians, if you're here and you're a civilian, we know dudes like Kuda B, they in the street. We understand all that. If you're a civilian, your job is to tell. You pay taxes. Correct. Correct. You are supposed to Correct. get the authorities to handle Correct. shit that you can't Correct. handle. But Correct. But if you're, if, you're if you're in the street, you handle it a street way. Now, let's move forward. Bobby Schmurda. This Correct. is a guy who was in the streets, you know, the GS9 shit, all of that. Yeah. He yeah. got jammed up. Same Correct. kind of deal. I feel like, I feel like when the police feel like you're pushing a narrative and you're getting out of control and you're making it feel like it's cool, that's when Correct. they crack down on you. They Correct. crack down on Bobby Schmurda. He took the time. Actually, he took more time so this man would get the same amount of time and not get jammed up. So let's give clarity on that. Do, Bobby right, got do, five years. Bobby right. got five years. Rowdy Rebel, his brother, you know, not his actual brother, but his brother, um, got sentenced to 12 years. They made a deal with the judge to where Bobby took a crime that they said Rowdy did and took claim for that crime mm -hmm. and took claim for it, which then shortened Rowdy's sentence and then raised Bobby's. So Bobby Schmurder, the larger star, Bobby Schmurder, the bigger star, Bobby Schmurder being worth more. This is no shouts to Rowdy. That's my dogs. This is just being authentic. Got five years and said, if, if my boy does not have to do 12, how do I make that happen? And they said, well, you'd have to take this charge and say you did it. He said, give me the paper. And he signed it. And he added two more years of jail time. That means Bobby Schmurder would have been out about, 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 about two and a half years ago. Because, right. you know, jail time is different. He'd have right. been out. And he took seven years just so that he could match, so that him and Rowdy have identical time. Okay, now and that is what the culture needs to understand. Right. Cool. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't condone crime and all that shit like that. Cool. I just want to say this. I hope that a man that did the honorable thing can come Correct. home and be just as much of a star. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping because I think if you want, if you want to take both of the situations and the messages behind them, I would take the Bobby Schmurder one, where you did the crime, you said fuck it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand by what I did. You did your time, you came home, and those now that's somebody I think everybody needs to get behind and say, all right, let's give them one more chance, let's push them. Well, well the well the culture is already with him. You get what I'm saying? Like that's a fact. Shout out to Heidi getting there. Like the culture is already with him. everybody. You know the excitement for GS9 is at an all-time high. Now, is the 6ix9ine fans going to love GS9? Probably not, because that's not their... Like, they want the antics. I know this. Bobby's going to come home 
level up his family, level up his team, get his shit right. I know Bobby. I've spoke to Bobby. I'm one of the only, this is another thing, because everybody likes doing clout. Let's talk clout for a minute. When Bobby Schmurter went to jail, if you Google punch Bobby Schmurter, nothing more. You don't got to. You go on fucking YouTube. I'm the only person to interview him in his first two years. Cool. Year four comes in, I do it again. Cool. This is me, because that's my people. That's my friends. That's my family. This is what it is. So when they're not talking to nobody, they were still talking to me. All right? And I just got to get that off my chest, because sometimes people go, oh, yeah, now you're going to talk Bobby shit. Oh, yeah, after six, now you're wrong, motherfuckers. I was with Bobby and all that shit before Young and May. So this is way before the energy. These be my friends. Bobby's from the 90s. It's from five minutes where I'm from. I'm from Hunter Clocks. I'm from Canarsie, Brooklyn, the flaws. Cool. That's just for the fans. And I know that they're going to record it because I was already talking hot about Rainbow Man. They're going to now record it. It's going to hit the internet. Cool. Now we have fun. Bobby's welcome to come back home is going to be so different. And it's going to be because it's going to have the Migos. It's going to have YG. It's going to have GZ, 2 Chains. It's going to have the gangsters and rap. It's going to have everybody jumping for joy, Drake, every motherfucker standing for it because of the simplistic thing. It is not to celebrate crime that people are trying to turn it. It's to celebrate ownership. When you, you fuck up, when you fuck up and you say, I did that my fault, you know what that is? That's an adult. Yes. That's responsibility. I That's agree. what everybody respects Bobby and them for, for responsibility. They took it for what they did and now they're going to move forward. They always had the music. They got it. They got the vibe. They're the source of the Brooklyn drill movement. You get what I'm saying? They're the, they're the seeds that planted this shit. They're the ones who brought New York back. See, no, niggas can't talk. They did that. So with all of this being said, when they touch back down, no matter what the fuck goes on, and this is the problem with us sometimes, we watch numbers too much. We're looking at that number so highly that that meant that that was success to us. That's not success. That was a lot of fucking attention. I tell people like this, we value viral too much. Anybody in here wants a tip right now, y'all want to go viral? Go slap someone in the store, you're viral. Does that mean that you should do that? No, that's corny, but you want to go viral, you could. Go piss in the middle of the street and stop traffic. You're viral, you'll be on Worldstar, you'll be on every single website. Rapper pisses. Go rap your verse with your dick out in the middle of the subway. You're going to go viral. Being viral is not that difficult of a thing. We're looking at a kid who's done 75 viral stunts for a year and change, and then now we're looking at it after hundreds of thousands of dollars of marketing money was spent to make it look like something, and then when it happens, we're like, wow, look at the numbers. He's pulled every single stunt you can. Millie's, what's up? You get what I'm saying? And I'm paying attention that people got to understand that all of this is happening, and they keep taking away that those were viral stunts that created this. It wasn't built on morals and ethics. Cool. I was there. You get me? I was there. But it was different before. And this is the point that people got to understand with me. And a lot of people go, yo, you used to be cool to me. You used to co-sign him. I co-sign him. That was my friend. That was my dog. That was my man. I helped create that shit. Yes, 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 yes. Now, I as told any adult, as any, and it's my last line school, as any adult, when you see something that you don't like, you make a decision. And when I made a decision to go, this is not really what I'm feeling, I stepped away. And I was still good with him. If I stayed quiet, I would have been around the money. Like the rest of the motherfuckers that are from the team that stayed quiet, that are then with them shooting the videos and doing all of the sucker shit to be a part of the parade again. I passed on the money to stand with the morals. So when everybody comes at me, I'm A1, but it's back again. So here's what I want you guys to understand this because he said a lot. I need to break this down to you in a very simple, uh, uh, clear to understand way. 
Some people in life are not all about the money. Some people in life are not all about the numbers. Some people in life are not all about the power and the fame. In this life, and I'm sure Punch can tell you, we are all given certain times when we can take certain things that will shoot us up or we can we can walk away from them things and we might not be as big as we can get. We'll stay on that level and that's it. You as a man or woman have to make a decision about what means more to you. Is it fucking I'm going to go as whatever means necessary or is it that I have to have my pride, my respect, my yeah. honor intact? Yeah, now, and that's, be, they forget that part. It would be a very easy thing for Punch to just shut the fuck up and turn around and, and go get money. With, <laughs> go get the money. But that right there <laughs> should tell you exactly what you need to know about this man. With that being said, I was going to talk about how I met Punch, and actually how I met Punch was because there was a viral video that he had made. He was going after... Funkmaster Flex at the time. Now, full disclosure, Funkmaster Flex is a good friend of mine. Not only is a good friend of mine, he is partially the reason that I stayed on Hot 97 so long. I respect him. I have nothing but respect for him. I have nothing but love for Flex. We worked together for 15 years. These uh, uh, Punch and Flex had a disagreement. My name came into that disagreement. Mm -hmm. I, like a man, went to Mr. C, me and Mr. C, DJ Mr. C, if you don't know DJ Mr. C. Shout out to the big bro. He's a legend. Big legend. Big legend talk. He worked with me as well at Hot Hot 97, and we had this discussion in the barbershop. And he said, yo, man, before you feel some type of way, why don't you go call Punch? And I went and I called him, and that led to a a three-and-a-half-hour conversation. As you can tell, this man is very, very bright. He's very, very well-spoken, and, and, and he can bring things in, in a way that you can understand it. Everybody that I told that this interview was going to be a gem, I told you, and he delivered it because he broke everything down in a way that is very clear, concise, and understandable. And when you get a chance, go back and listen to this interview again so that you can get the gems that you missed. With that being said, Heineken, you, of course that. you did... You did right. You did Bobby. You did Young and May. You had you had your hands in Poppy. Not well. You didn't have your hands hundred percent in Pop Smoke, but you were with the homie. You did everything. R.I.P. to him. I was one Come of the first to- people to post them before it was cool to post them. And I know right. that sounds simple, but in this day and age, posting is like your verbal public cosign. You get what I mean? Right. I went to the town. Mayshaw got the video with him and promoting him was like, "Yo, this is the next up." You know, but that's that's my now, dog. Tell us because you. You spoke about the Brooklyn Drill Movement, and people, if you don't know what the Brooklyn Drill Movement is, it's actually, for me to break it down in a way that makes sense, it's hood dudes from Brooklyn rhyming over what I call grind beats, because Correct. I live it. Until this no, no, you're, you're, you're saying everything right. You're saying it right. England and the other half of the U.S. That's you're, what you're, you're, you're talking right. You're talking right. So, I mean, so, it's basically like this. You want me to explain it? Oh, my fault. You got yeah, it? All right, so basically it's like this. This is where it sources from. This is where there was some confusion I had when Baby Viral again, while I was talking to Young Chop about this, and then, and then shouts to the OG Jojo Capone guy, and then we just had, and with Flip, Queens Flip, we had a bunch of conversations. Let's get this clear. Brooklyn Drill sources, it sources from 
the honesty that we grew up with. A lot of the young kids that are rapping, they grew up under Chief Keith. Chief Keith shooting videos with the SLR, you know, the regular digital camera in his crib, showed niggas that you don't need these $100,000 videos to be successful. You get me? It showed that you literally could do some gangster shit and then we just love it. You get me? What also happened is that they were talking about, it's, it's a cold truth, but they were talking about crimes as it was happening. So when them niggas is like, yo, so-and-so died, so-and-so got hit, my fault. And they like, like so-and-so died and so-and-so got hit, or just around the corner, this person got shot. They were talking about the crimes as it was happening. It was so crazy and so salacious that the country fell in love with this. That authenticity is how we all, how we all then go and go, yo, we all are looking at this shit and go, this is drill music. Because drill, hinting at the nickname of it for shooting and killing, cool. Now, the Brooklyn drill takes a different sound. And that was influenced by a lot of the producers that came from UK, i.e. 808, i.e. Axel. You get what I'm saying? I.e. Dizzy, all of that shit that's going on. You get what I'm saying? That's where it came from. So that sound now, we love their sound. We didn't like, not that we didn't like, but we weren't as equivalently inspired by Chicago's sound. We love what they were rapping about, but we took it to our sound. Kuda in there, co-signing it. So we got the UK producers, and now when we go, now we put the truth of the drill shit, and now we got Brooklyn drill. Now what happens is, is that what we're talking about is what's going on in our life, and what's going on is blood crypt folk. That's what's going on. This is it. It ain't no more confusion. It's going on blood crypt folk. It's going on Brownsville, Bedstuy, Flatbush, Canarsie. That's what's going on. So that's what's happening with everybody. Everybody is then looking at. What's going on in these neighborhoods? You get what I'm saying? What's going on? And now they start rapping. And then people start putting out diss records or start putting out, as some people like to call, truth records. Like, yo, so-and-so got hurt from so-and-so, and they rapping about it. Now, some of my rappers and my counterparts are talking hot. And by hot, I mean they talking dangerous where they risking their freedom sometimes for the sake of views. Just as Chicago was. And just as UK does, too. You get what I'm saying? Where we kind of talking a little bit too honest. You get what I'm saying? But... That's where the authenticity comes in. So now when we have this whole new sound and then we mix it in with some of the fun where New York is dancing and they spinning and they doing all of their moves and they doing everything they can to let their fun shit go and get the girls and shit involved, even though it's all gangster shoot 'em up bang, bang, rap, that's where it comes from, Brooklyn Drill. And then it had its waves and they had their, their ranges. I like to source it from Bobby and Rowdy. It starts with GS9. And then from that point forward, this record started going back and forth. And then it comes, you know, it went to, it went to the fucking, it went to the Blickies, it went to 22Gs, it went over there to Kuda B and them, it then went to Chef G, Chef G picks up, it goes Sleepy Hollow, Bambino, a bunch of shit going on, it jumps back, G's Gasoline, these are all like the reputable names. Then it goes to the Canarsie shit, we got OP, we got Curly Sav, all of that, it goes, it picks back up again, we get mixed back up, we got... Uh, I'm trying not to forget nobody. Then you get um, the Sleepy Hollows, the fucking, uh, and then you get the Favios, you get JD, you get a lot of that. Favio picked up on the drill shit before he got really popular. And Pop Smoke comes and Pop Smoke celebritizes it. And Pop Smoke gets a record and then a label puts real marketing dollars behind it. And now one of those records that were drill and there's other rappers in between. Nobody's talking about the window because I probably forgot a couple. You get what I'm saying? Because I'm just going fast off the top of my head. And then what happens is, is that um, that starts to go. When pop starts to go, a lot of people started looking at with shit Canarsie. Because we used to look at Canarsie a lot as 
on point OP, 1090. Then they had Jeezy. We had Jeezy Moolah. There were a lot of things that was going on in Canarsie. And then Pop was like the secret on the bubble rising up. And then Pop Smoke blew up. And then we seen it and we looked at it real big. When that goes, now Fabio Foreign, who's one of the biggest guys in the drill shit, caught another wave again and then rolled out Big Drip. And then that's where Fabio caught the big deal because now labels can believe that this is a successful business because Pop Smoke becomes successful with it. But to this point, until Pop Smoke passed, no one in Brooklyn Drill has hit Billboard yet. So that's the first time that it hit Billboard. And now, you know, Fabio obviously is on Billboard because he has the Drake record. But the, the culture itself is still growing for us to get accepted on a grand scale. You get what I'm saying? And um, I'm just I'm just happy to be somebody who understands it from a vocal level and somebody who matters enough to the culture to where that I can explain it. But I want to do way more for the drill movement itself and help get more and more eyes on it. But it takes moments like this and OGs like yourself and other things like that to where that we can talk about it and let people understand what's happening and why they got the Chef G's and the Sleepy Hollows now who have to deal with Empire who's about to get super bought out by this other huge deal. We got Smooth L coming from Bed-Stuy, just got signed to Interscope. We got, uh, you know, obviously we got Fabio at Columbia. And then there's other people that's about to really, really get this going. They got Ether the Connect, they got Swipey. It goes on and on and on. GS9 Gino now. So it's like, it's so much shit happening where it's like, yo, what's the next move? Who's the next guy? And then quarantine came in the middle of the movement and it really, really slowed it down hard. So I don't know, and this is being genuine, if the movement can recover, you get what I'm saying? Because the movement is really, it really is dependent on being outside. Mm -hmm. And that might be the decline of the movement because I don't know if they can promote it the way that they've promoted prior records because it takes to be outside and get those street feels if nobody can go outside. So well, it's, it's, I think the genre is hurting a little bit from it. But, you know, I think that they're still in an early enough place to recover. Just so I see you say J.I. J.I. is not really drill. But J.I.'s fire, another young dude from Brooklyn. Well, I, I want to say something. As long as the music is hot, and as long as the people fuck with it, they're going to recover. This, this quarantine is not going to be forever. They will recover. My question is this. I noticed that a lot of the music, and, and even you had to explain it to me because I'm not in the mix like that. A lot of it is gang-related. Being... Yeah. A person that is in the middle of all of that. How are yeah. you able to navigate that not being with any gang? How are you able to be able to navigate working with all these people and kind of pushing the movement with with and, and have no gang affiliation? How are you able to kind of work around it? Well, beg them a lot. <laughs> you know, I beg them a lot to try to, um, you know, uh, put the flag down. You know, and I've tried very hard to try to just be like, look, let's just chill on the gang shit as we can. Like, try not to be as active as, like, like really just try not to be. And the reality is, is because gang life is really, it, it, it gets caught back, man. You know, like, you got to remember, like, when a lot, some of our rappers, you know, they talking, like, I give you a specific example. You know, some of our, a lot of our rappers, they keep talking this GDK shit, right? And, you know, for everybody's in here, you know, on a gang shit, and they not fucking with the GDs on a local level. Cool, right? But then what happens when you go to the Midwest? And those it's neighborhoods okay. are not heavily with Crip and Blood. And now where you need to actually promote your music, that's the majority of where they at. So in reality, it becomes like, it becomes like, uh, 
it becomes a difficulty for your own career to grow if you really hold on to the gang shit. Because if you really hold on to the gang shit, how can you go to other markets and be like that? You get what I'm saying? And it, and it really will slow you down. And we've watched it. And then and if it doesn't slow you down, you're going to get in the smoke. And when you get in the smoke, now you're at these festivals, you at these concerts, and now you got these big fights. And then people, once they put you in that box, of being a dangerous rapper or being a threat type rapper, you're never getting the big brands, you're never getting the endorsement, you're not getting the big monies put next to you, and then that's when it really, really starts to terrorize you and really fuck up your brand. Especially if you can't go to LA, that's a fact, Heineken. If you can't hit LA or Miami, Atlanta, Chicago, you know, these are like the huge markets, even Texas, it's like, what do you do? What do you do? You get what I'm saying? So that's what the gang shit is bad with. But some of the kids see the benefits of it. Like you have the blue faces, the Roddy Riches, and then now you got Pop Smokes and shit like that where you're like, oh shit, everybody's crib. This shit is going to work. Bobby is crib. This is crib. You get me? And it might work one or two times. You get what I'm saying? But it doesn't... Shout to Keith Murray in here. OG, what's up? Keith you know Murray, what I'm saying? what's going on, bro? And, what's good? And, 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 you, and you notice that and the gang shit is beneficial sometimes, right? But I am telling you from even my gang friends that it's helped. It hurts them drastically more times, and they sometimes wish that they could have downplayed the flag a lot more than they did, and they would have made a lot more money and probably had a lot more of a peaceful uh, transition into the culture. At this point, because you've, you've answered almost everything that I, I wanted to hear, is there yeah. anything else that you'd like to say? Um, I just want, and it's so cheesy, man, because we've heard it in so many ways, but I hope that y'all hear the authenticity in my voice. This drill shit on a local level, like two rappers died this week. R.I.P. Nick Blicky, R.I.P. Bugs Low. These both kids from Brooklyn, one is one side, one's the other side, and they both got killed. Whether they had anything to do with it, whether it had to do with their gangs, whether it could have been two random killings. It just burnt my soul at two guys that is avidly putting out music, that are avidly a part of this sound, go down back to back. And it really, really burns me. And I don't know what us as people of the culture and as y'all as fans need to tell some of these rappers, but I think that us as fans and at times, especially the younger fans, y'all push these rappers so much to, to make them believe that they gotta kind of be the most gangster version of themselves to be successful. And it, 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 it loses grip that it's really about the music and how you can connect. You get what I'm saying? We really gotta understand that the gangster shit really doesn't get you anywhere. It really doesn't. And, and we are really losing like just young versions of ourselves. You get what I'm saying? And, and, and doing all of this to the streets and to all of this. And I know I'm outside. So I can't tell people like, yo, bro, just chill. You know, I get it. But I tell people like this, it's like, there's a way to maneuver. You know, I couldn't, I was as close to the team that everybody that got indicted as you can be, but you can be outside and around it and not be a part of it. You get what I'm saying? You can be in the street level and be outside and not be on gang time. Like there are ways to do it. Because being street is just being A1 on yourself, not being out of your character, not doing sucker shit, not doing shit against your morals. My morals is A1. I don't need a bandana to verify my morals. Y'all understand what I'm saying? So I just need everybody in here to just feel that. And um, I know I said a lot today, but I'm saying even more tomorrow. I'm dropping my podcast episode. I'm launching my first episode 
of my new podcast. I've had podcasts in the past. I've had shows. I've had all of that. But I have a new brand, a new company that I partnered with called The Airport. And I have that podcast coming out tomorrow. And that's me speaking on this and way more into more detail. And the episode probably going to be like an hour or something long. So it's it's like this, but it just goes into more detail and more shit like that. Because I know we hovered over a lot of different pieces. But if y'all well, tune in, follow it, and, and get into it. People, please go do that. I would highly recommend this. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, full disclosure. I know that he's releasing a podcast. And what we did was we got to a lot of points. But I'm going to go ahead and say this. It will be in more detail if you yeah. listen to the podcast. Give them that information one more time. Yeah, just follow me because I'm going to post it up. You know, it's so, so I, I just know, I know how easy it is people to forget. Y'all follow me, I'm going to post it up and then it's going to be as clear as day, link in the bio, that type of shit. I'll put it out tomorrow night. Um, yeah, man. And, and, and another thing that I just want to tell y'all too is just, yo, attention is valuable and views is valuable, but just make sure that you get the views and the attention in a way that you can feel respected about. Shout out to Heineken here. He's been in here the whole time, but I just want to just tell somebody to make sure that the views and everything that you got, Mr. C, Big bro, what's up, man? What's up? What's up? What's we up? We were just talking about um, you. We were just talking about you. We definitely, I don't know if he just chimed in, but if you was in here earlier, we definitely showed some love. But um, just make sure that your views and your attention is that something that you could be proud of. Just make sure of that. Because you could be on top of the world with the most views in the entire world, all of the views, all of the everything, and still have no level of respect for yourself on it, and you can't be proud of it. So just make sure that your views is coming at a level of where that you could be proud about how you get it. That's all I'll say. And that's the best advice I can give to everybody that's young in here, want to rap, want to DJ, want to do that, because this internet works on views, and we sometimes lose target that it's all about the views. But if you just make it all about the views, you're going to lose that. there got to be some morals and some qualities in between of it. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> and we definitely um, gave you props, Mr. C. Yeah, we, said we, he was PC. You props. <laughs> See, we said basically, and I'm going to end on this note. Um, basically, see what we said was the truth. Uh, we were in the barbershop, and I was kind of hot about what Punch had said. And you were like, nah, Punch is good. Trust me, call him. Get in touch with him. And then you gave me the number, and I reached out to him. And that, that resulted in a three-and-a-half-hour conversation. And I was like, I got on the phone on some... Why the fuck you say something about me? And I got off yeah. the phone on whatever you need my help with, man, just call me. Let me know. Yeah. Because I, I would I don't care. You know, we could start at one place and he told me what why he said what he said and he told me the context of what he said the way he said it. And once I sat down, I listened to it and all that kind of stuff, I understood it. I wound up talking about a million other things, and I said, this guy is really, really fucking sharp. Let me let me stay in Thank touch you. with him. And that, that that's what it was. It was all you see. So shout to Mr. Yeah. C. Um, so shout to everybody here. Shout you, fat man's love, bro. Thank thank you very much. We're gonna talk later, bro. I will catch you later. I love you, man. I'm gonna get all good. Safe. Right, catch you later. Make Noise with Fat Man Scoop is produced by myself alongside Raj Kachacha and the team at creativecontentagency.com. Please support this podcast by leaving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I love that. And by following this podcast on Spotify and sharing links to episodes you enjoy with your friends. Do it. You can also email the show via podcast at fatmanscoop.com. I answer that. Or you can DM me at Fat Man Scoop. Yes, I answer DMs.